your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to Thursday of Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Sola. If you want to get in here right now, is a good time to do it. 608-785-7914. Looking at the wisdomnews.com website. Wisconsin State Fair canceled. First time since 1945. Ah, what was happening back then? Uh, Trimble County Fair canceled. And then Northern Wisconsin Country Music Festival given the green light. So the, what is it, the Hodag and, and Rylander? Go, good to go. Man, there's going to be 5 million people there. Are you going? Uh, they said they expect about 16,000 people per day there. The Hodag, uh, it's been held there for more than 40 years. Um, I'm, I'm going to pass. I'm going to pass on that. Although the, the virus seems to be a little bit more uh, dangerous indoors than outdoors. But man, if you, see ever, if you ever see those pictures from fairs, people are packed in and shoulder to shoulder. Are you going to scream something at me, Brad, or what are you doing? Oh, it's canceled now? <laughs> Good thing you were listening. I was just looking at the website. Okay, canceled. Canceling Hodag. We're going to cancel the show. Goodbye, guys. Thanks. <laughs> All right, so zero people per day there at Rhinelander. Man, that would have been a disaster, I think, eventually, like two weeks later. It would have been a disaster as we see uh, the COVID cases tick up. Possibly each day. Um, right on time. We're going to get this call in every day. Eric from Sparta, you're on. Go ahead. Yeah, I heard somebody on the radio last night. I wasn't calling the other day, but he said some, this letter was something that I wrote. <laughs> it was a joke. Oh, it was. Yeah, we were joking. I don't think, I don't think so. <laughs> Totally a joke, Eric. Yeah, we talked. We talked to Bill Fian yesterday. Uh, somebody faked a letter from the Republican Party to high school seniors. Super weird. It's on the website. You can look at it. Uh, I, I thought <laughs> I I wrote the story and uh, talked to Fian yesterday. And yeah, check it out. WisdomNews.com. Number three is calling in. Number three, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm good. I hear you were looking for a new tricycle. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, two two wheeler though. We're gonna go two wheeler. I was gonna go look today, but I, I did look at, at some of the places yesterday. But I I'm gonna go up to Fountain City and look uh, one of these days. Do you need training wheels or without? Uh, yeah, I, I test drove a couple. I was good. I, the tires are really thin on road bikes, so it is a little bit different. Well, I suggest you wait until the city has your sail down at the Isle of Plume down there, and they sell them real cheap. Yeah, I I, uh, I wonder if they're going to do that right now because people, you know, they probably have to bring them in one at a time and wipe off oh, the Oh, yeah, bikes. well, they got a bunch of them down there. Maybe you could call the chief of police. You're good friends with him. and See if they're going to have a bicycle sale. you probably save yourself a lot of money. Yeah, I should wield my power. In, in this position, as a media member who talks to the police, I should get in there. And maybe I'll tell them I'm doing a story, and then when I'm looking at the bikes, I'll be like, hey, you want to give me that one? Just take one out the back door. They'll never miss it. <laughs> They'll never miss it. I'll give them a couple bucks for it. Yeah, I had a Hopalong Cassidy bike. Do you know who Hopalong Cassidy was? It's, is that like a cowboy or, or something yeah, like that? I had one in 1951. So 
if it was a cowboy, they, they're not riding bikes, though. Well, they rode horses, but see, this was 1951, so they come out with a bike so kids would buy them. And he had he must have had a popular like radio show or a book, TV show. What are we doing in 51? So, I'm not had really a sure. TV show, yeah. Okay. And anyway, it had white sidewall tires, two pistols on the side, or, and then a rifle on the side and two pistols and where the crossbars were. Oh, really? Beautiful bicycle, yeah. Did you put a baseball card in the spokes, too? Used to do that, too, yeah. So it sounds like a machine gun? Yeah. <laughs> you grew up like a little boy, too, didn't you? <laughs> oh, I, I, yeah, I had a banana seat. I think the first, bu- I remember it was a brown banana seat bike. That was the first bike yeah. I ever went on to, you know, without training wheels on. So. Oh, without training wheels. Yeah. Okay. I could just see you driving from uh, Valley High to Hoka. Along yeah. the white line. Yeah, that's a dangerous road. I think I'm gonna take, I'm gonna go over the river and then I'm gonna go down that way. So I bypass Hoka, if you know what I'm Good talking thinking. about. Good thinking. Good thinking. And it's flatter that way. Yeah. <laughs> Carry on and keep your powder dry. All right. Thanks for the call. Uh, all right. So th- that gets me to uh, the news here pretty quick. But what we're bringing back? Who we're bringing back? Not what? Uh, who's coming back on the air with me? Sean Giblin is the Mrs. Excuse me, a little COVID in here. Uh, Sean Giblin's the Mississippi River Water Quality Specialist with the Wisconsin DNR. And we're going to talk about a couple of things. The blue algae bloom, if you remember last summer, dogs were drinking, uh, you know, essentially swamp water. I think Ben texted in a couple of days ago when I had uh, veterinarian Gary on. And, and he talked a little bit about this, you know, just, well, he didn't talk about it. Ben texted me a question that I texted Gary after I hung up on him. But uh, the blue algae bloom. And it makes people sick. It makes your dog sick. It took a couple of dogs' lives last year. And since then, these guys have studied this quite a bit. So we're going to get a little bit more insight on uh, what exactly, you know, the the, the dangers of that. Uh, we're also going to talk about uh, essentially like salt levels in the Mississippi River. So all things Mississippi River. And then they're doing a study kind of down by Goose Island, uh, studying climate change and the rising river and just how – how much different the river is now than it was, I think, like 30, 40 years ago. So if you're into into, your, into the river and, 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 you know, how it's changed and what's happening there, and, and, and even if you have pets and, and swamp water, we can get into that too. That's what we'll get into next. Sean Giblin, Wisconsin DNR, Mississippi River Water Quality Specialist. But first, we're going to go to Brad in the news. We'll be back after this on Wisdom. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. On the phone with me now, because we're social distancing, Sean Giblin, Mississippi River Water Quality Specialist with the Wisconsin DNR. Been doing that for what, fourteen years, Sean? Yep, that's right. Uh, does it get Does it get boring? Like, man, it's just a, like the river. Just it's just water. Nothing's changing there, right? <laughs> no, yeah, I, I love it. The river is fascinating. I never tire of the river. Um, was that something that you, like, uh, something, did you grow up, you must have grew up on the river and, and just, like, developed this interest and you just used it to your advantage and, hey, you know what, I'm going to do this for a living? Yeah, that's pretty much how it went. Yeah, I grew up, you know, up on Bryce Prairie, um, you know, spent a lot of time out on the river as a kid and just, you know, loved it so much. I turned it into my career. I'm definitely one of the lucky ones. All right, so we got we got three things on the agenda, and I guess I, I if we you know we're going to talk about the blue G, the the blue green algae blooms that uh, you guys we talked about this last summer a little bit. It had it had there were reports that it killed some pets uh, last summer, and and just what 
all surrounds, you know, that and and you guys have studied that over there. Well, before we get to that, uh, you, you want to talk about rising chloride levels in in the river? Essentially, salt the salt concentrations in the river in the river are, are going up, huh? Yeah, so yeah, that's something we're starting to make people aware of too. You know, just the, the salt or chloride levels in the river. You know, they're they're rising over time too. You know, to the point where you know, we've got long term trend. You know, water quality sites out in the river too, where you know since the early eighties. You know, the amount of salt or chloride in the river is almost doubled, so it's um, you know, it's definitely becoming a concern for us too. You know, it's you know, there's always a, like a natural level of of chloride or salt out in the river too, but you know, it's rising to the point um, where we're starting to get concerned about it. What what does it do when there's too much salt in the river? I, I feel like the river's just flowing, so it's just going to go down. It, it, so can can you explain to me what's uh, more salt in the river? What it does? Yeah, so you know it can be toxic to you know aquatic organisms at a certain at a certain level. You know it basically affects you know their ion exchange too at certain levels too. And you know and really the you know, a couple of the big sources that we deal with in terms of of chloride or salt in the river. You know the big two are the de-icing salts. You know the salt we use on our roads, our parking lots, or sidewalks, or driveways. Yeah, and the, and the second uh, largest source is from water softeners too. So it's yeah, it's creeping up over time too, and like we really gotta, you know, start dealing with this. And you know, and there really are some pretty simple solutions to deal with it. Just don't worry about having soft hair, right? Like, get rid of your water softener. <laughs> well, you know, you know, over time, you know, the newer water softeners are getting more efficient too. So that's one thing to to think about too. Is you know, these newer, more efficient water softeners use a lot less salt too. So it's you know, in some ways, you know, some of the technology is helping us out as time moves on in terms it, of water softening, at least. Is another solution, and this is the worst time to talk about this because it's May, and and, and I don't think we're going to get another snowfall this this uh, spring, but um, are we just throwing too much salt on the road? Are we too in a hurry as a society? We got to go 60 miles an hour. We're, in the 80s, were we all just going, I don't know, I didn't drive in the 80s, were we all just going like 40 miles an hour when it snowed out, and now we're just throwing tons and tons of salt on the roads? Yeah, I mean, you know, when I walk around the city in the winter, you know, I see people using a lot more than is probably necessary. So it's, I mean, it's a pretty big change from when I was a kid. Yeah, we didn't use that amount of salt, you know, like on our driveways um, back in those days, too. And I think a lot of people are just unaware of this. So it's, yeah, I think there are some pretty simple steps, you know, just using less, um, you know, the water softeners, you know, and then, you know, you know, converting, um road salting you know, over to brine systems from rock salt. You know, there's some pretty simple solutions, but yeah, I think a lot of people are just unaware of that this is going on. we got to start doing those solar roads, right? Don't we need to start doing that? I remember that was a story about right. three, four years ago. <laughs> right, right. All right, so moving on. We can, we'll hit on that salt topic. Let's do that in, what What do you think, October, November? Maybe November, I think yeah. we, we could hit yeah, that one again. Yeah, that up in November. That'd and, be a good time to get that on people's radar. <laughs> but uh, if you if you guys uh, out there have, have old uh, water softeners, maybe maybe time to update or just unhook it. Like, they're just, I don't know, they're <laughs> unnecessary. I don't have one. So, all right, so let's do, let's get into this blue G, blue, I always say that blue G, blue-green algae blooms. Um, last summer we talked about a couple of dogs had died in Wisconsin just from they must have been like out hiking and the dogs get hot obviously and find like some what like a swamp or just any old puddle that's been around because of a lot of rain or how does this work yeah you know dogs are pretty unselective you know in the water they'll drink a lot of times people are just out hiking with their dogs you know they'll you know they'll come up to a you know water body where it's pea soup green and you know they'll just you know a lot of times just the pet owner is just kind of unaware that 
know, that's a problem too. You let the dog drink that water too. And, you know, there are toxins um, that are produced by these blue green algae too, that people need to be aware of. And, you know, really, you know, with the summer heat, you know, I'm starting to see these blooms start to set up on the river too. So it's a good time you know, this time of year to get people kind of thinking about this. Yeah, and we have done some studies in the last couple of years. Where, you know, we really kind of got some pretty good predictive models to, you know, tell us where we're going to have problems with these these blooms on the river. Now, when I'm out in Hickson, there's there's always just like a little swampy area. Is that what you're talking about? Where there's that's always, or can these pop up just any old where? Uh, does it take a long time for a like a maybe not like a puddle of water, but where water kind of congregates in in like out in the woods? Does it take a long time for that stuff to develop or? Uh, well, yeah, you know, like the, the puddles out in the woods, you know, typically aren't going to be a problem to, you know, so this would be, you know, backwater areas on the river, you know, kind of okay. connected to a larger water body, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of what we, where we have problems with this too. Yeah, it's not really a puddle in the woods issue, you know, kind of, uh, you know, coming to a backwater on the river that's pretty isolated, you know, if it looks like pea soup, you know, you got to really think about you're not letting your dog drink that water. Yeah, I try not to let my dog swim in that, but she always manages to get in there. Um, she smells. Yeah, yeah. She smells pretty bad right now, actually. You know, one thing you can do is just bring some water for your dog to drink in those situations too. And you know, you know, a lot of this, you know, we've been doing studies, you know, really on Pool Eight, um, you know, just outside of La Crosse here, and you know, we've really identified, you know, some of the things that really drive that. You know, things like um, you know high nutrients in the water, so you know, too much fertilizer, nitrogen and phosphorus in the water, you know, warm water. Um, it creates uh, more intense blooms. And then the other thing is just low turbulence, you know, low flushing. You know, we tend to have bigger problems with this on the years where the, the river stage and river discharge are lower. So, you know, just things to be aware of. Again, we're talking with Sean Giblin, Mississippi River Water Quality Specialist with Wisconsin DNR. He's been doing that for almost 15 years now. Um, okay, sticking with this blue-green blue algae bloom and okay, so I don't know if you you've ever been out to Hicks, and you must have been out there. There's there is kind of like a swampy area where there's always water. It's not obviously the river doesn't run off there, but would that be you know? But there's water there all summer. Would that be one of those places where just keep, you know, like obviously keep your dog out of there because you know it's gross, but but would would it actually be pretty dangerous there? Yeah, you know, you know, if the water never leaves, you know, it could potentially have it too. You know, like a lot of there's a couple of pretty simple tasks you know, that we tell people you can do too. you know, if you could, you know, if the water, you know, not brown water, but if it looks green, like pea soup type water, and like if you could walk in, you know, about up to your knees and not see the tops of your feet, and, you know, it's got that pea soup look to it, you know, that's clearly something to stay away from too. And then another thing is, you know, the blue-green algae, they kind of, if you were to dip a stick into that water, and if, you know, if the algae kind of clings to it a little bit, that's kind of another kind of simple indicator that you're dealing with blue-green algae, too, to stay out of there, too. Yeah, so, you know, if that is a water source that never, you know, if it ever remains there throughout the year, it could potentially have problems with, too. But, uh, you know, usually it's kind of some of these off-channel areas, you know, connected to the river. Yeah. Having problems at this point. Um, this this spring seems like we've, we you know, lately we've been getting rain, but we haven't had a ton of rain, like, throughout so is this stuff going to be more prevalent because we've had less rain or more prevalent because we've had when we have more rain? Because you talk about the river being up or down. The river's, I don't know if it's down, but it's not where it's been the last couple of summers. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of setting up like this year could be a little bit more intense, too. You know, we kind of, you know, we typically, the years that are worse are the years we have kind of a wet spring where you kind of load the river up, you know, with a lot of nutrients, you know, a lot of fertilizer runoff, things like that, too, and then, 
you know, if the river comes down pretty abruptly, you know, about the time that the water temperatures are warming up, you know, those are the years you're going to have uh, worse problems too. And, you know, this one, you know, the river's bounced up a little bit in the last couple of days. You know, it's going to for the rest of the week here too, but it's, you know, it's kind of setting up like it could be one of those years. So it's, you know, we just wanted to get that on people's radar this year. Yeah, and it's pretty easy. Walk your dog, bring some water, and don't let them drink out of the gross whatever anywhere. Just let them drink out of your, you know, bring a little. There's there's those cool little pocket, uh, you know, water bowls that I've got one of those. And and you know, like if you bring a bottle of water, then you should be good to go. Yeah, dogs are just incredibly non-selective. You know, they'll stand there right in the scum layer and lap that up too. So you kind of have to look out for them at times. Yeah, my friend, uh, my friend Gary was on a couple days ago. He's a veterinarian, and he said if the water, if the dog does end up drinking that, they're going to have, I think he said liver problems, which which will, will be pretty serious. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of those toxins that yeah, attack the liver. Correct. So obviously, like we're going around the rivers, we're going to see this. When we talked last year, you you had you had some spots, you know, throughout the the county or throughout the area. I know I, f- I feel like you mentioned Tremplo was a good spot. Do you know some good spots where people are going to be out and about? I feel like a lot more people are going to be out and about hiking. Uh, they might not have as much uh, extracurricular activities to do, so hiking and walking around and and just being out and about. So, do you have some good hot, like so to speak, hot spots where blue green algae would be more prevalent? Yeah, you know, the, the one area we're having a lot of trouble with right now is, you know, the Trempolo Refuge, uh, you know, just slightly north of Trempolo, too. You know, we're having a really bad problem with uh, blue-green algae blooms up there, too. You know, if you're up there, you know, you really got to pay attention to it. You know, that was one of the the calls that I had a couple years back, you know, we had a dog death, you know, where this was suspected to be the, the case, um, you know, the driver of, of the death, too. You know, we never really did get to the bottom of that one, too, but it's... Um, you know, it was suspected. So, you know, that one is by far the hot spot in the area. Okay. You know, at times, you know, Blue Lake in between La Crosse and La Crescent can have some problems at times. You know, it tends to be, you know, especially this time of year, kind of those back end kind of, you know, more stagnant backwaters. So they can kind of get that pea soup look to them this time of year. How do you study this stuff? Like you you talked about, you've done, you've done some studies over the years. Um, you just, you throw a dog out there and see what happens to him. No, I'm just kidding. But like, how do you, how do you study this stuff? Yeah, so, you know, it's water samples. You know, we collect water samples, you know, for the nutrients, you know, phosphorus, nitrogen, and then we'll run lab samples, you know, for, you know, we'll actually do counts on the on the blue-green algae, you know, how, what the density of the algae is in the sample, too, and then also the the toxins. We'll run lab samples for the toxins. You know, the two we're looking at are, are one's called microcystin, and the other one's called anatoxin A, that, you know, are the two that we're having problems with, too, so it's, you know, we're getting pretty good at sort of identifying where the problem areas are at this point. So, yeah, we've learned a lot. Is this something you've always looked into, or is it something that's a lot more prevalent lately? Because, like, you, you talk about fertilizers. Is it is it just the fact that we're using that stuff more and more on in, in agriculture, and, and it's just, like, it's getting to be more of a problem? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little bit of both, too. You know, you know, um, you know nitrogen, you know, one of the – one of the fertilizer nutrients is increasing on the river over time too. And you know, I think the other thing too is, you know, we're becoming a little bit more aware of this too. We're just, you know, just the science is, is progressing. So I think it's a little bit of both too. And the other thing too is, you know, the, you know, the water temperatures on the river, you know, are tending to increase year after year. So it's, uh, you know, warmer temperatures are making it a little bit more conducive to these blooms. All right, we're talking with Sean Giblin, a Mississippi River water quality specialist with the Wisconsin DNR. When we come back from Scott's Common, the news, 
Uh, we're going to talk about climate change a little bit and a study that you guys are doing down on Goose Island, right? That's correct. We can yep. get in. We can get into that. We'll be back after this. Here's Scott's comment. The news coming up in just a minute. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. If you got questions, 608-785-7914. We're talking about the Mississippi water, Mississippi River, and water quality. We got Sean Giblin from the Wisconsin DNR on here. He's a specialist in that area. It's kind of a weird thing to get into, I think, as a kid, Sean, but uh, that's what you did. And and the school to go to, the school I graduated from, but nobody told me to uh, go study this, even though I kind of figured it out when all my friends were um, graduating with this, was UW-Stevens Point. That was, did you know that, or did you just end up at Stevens Point because, uh, for whatever reason? No, yeah, we knew for the natural resources stuff that uh, Stevens Point was good. So, yeah, it's, yeah, people kind of go there for that reason, myself included. Um, for all the all the people that are into the outdoors and, and stuff, how hard was it to what, – what did you study? What was your degree in? And, and how hard was it to get a degree in this, to, to make a living studying the Mississippi River, essentially? Yeah, it's, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of the science courses do. It's a pretty difficult degree to get, you know, a lot of the, you know, chemistry, biology, physics. It's not an easy degree to get, but it's um, – yeah, I like it. It's, it's been worth it, certainly. Now, usually you go to college, you, you, you get the degree, and then you – start to learn how to do a job and you, you realize that, you know what, I didn't learn anything in college uh, except that I got the degree. That's, that's how it worked in journalism anyway. And I'm, I'm sure every major is different. Did you, did you find that a lot of the stuff you studied in college actually helped you out? Are you using a lot of that stuff or, or did you have to learn more, more so on the job? Yeah. I mean, you know, what you learn in school is definitely the base too, but you know, especially, you know, with you know things like the river too, you know, like the science is always progressing too. So it's, you know, you never, you never stop learning and it's always new too. So it's, yeah, it's been you know, laid the foundation too, but it's, yeah, most of what I'm working on now, we didn't even talk about in school. So it's, you know, it progresses over time. Is this one of these jobs where you are you in a lab maybe half the time and then in waiters the other half of the time collecting samples? Like what's the job like? Are you outside a lot more than, than usual or can, can you describe it a little bit? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm out on the river probably about half of the time. The other half of the time, you know, back in the office, you know, working on the data, you know, kind of working on new projects, um, you know, planning for the next kind of set of projects too. So it's about half and half out on the river versus in the office and lab. So awesome, in other words. Yeah, yeah, it's not <laughs> a bad gig. Um, and and I sp- and on top of that, you're 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 probably into hunting, fishing, all that stuff. So uh, you're you're probably out on the water like three quarters of your life. Yeah, we're out there all the time. My kids would live out there if I let them. Yeah, we're out there. Yeah, on the weekends we go right back out there. Now, uh, before the the news break, we talked about the blue gr- blue green algae blooms and how that affects dogs, and just essentially, like it's pretty easy. Stay away from the gross water. Don't let your dog drink that. Um, definitely don't like. Also, don't let your dog swim in it because, man, you have to give her like seven baths. Um, I have found out over the last couple of days as she comes because I have a golden retriever, so she wants to say hi to everybody. And when we're walking out and about, because everyone's walking out and about nowadays, and uh, nobody wants to uh, pet her anymore because they get the stench of her uh, from a distance, and they're like, "Oh, what is that? You, Rick, or is that your dog?" And I'm like, "That's my dog." Yeah. Um, but. Uh, but what I, what we're going to talk about now is, and in, in, Sean, you're going to have to take over until I get a feel of what exactly this is. But you guys are studying, and I could have this wrong, you're studying climate change, how to adapt to it. You've got something going on on Goose Island on the south side of La Crosse. And, you know, if anyone's been down there, they redid the road down there. They're redoing trails and, and everything else down there, too, as well. 
Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, what we're doing down there is is part of that project, too. You know, so, you know, really what's going on is, you know, the amount of flow, you know, in the river. And I think we're all kind of aware of this, you know, has increased over time. You know, if you, you know, if you look at the, the river gauge at Winona, which measures the amount of flow in the river, you know, from really from 1929 to about 1980, you know, we never had a year where the yearly average discharge was above 45,000 cubic feet per second. And, you know, really since 1980, we've seen this 10 times, and, you know, and five of those have been since 2011, too. So it's, you know, we're paying a pretty heavy price for this on the river, you know, in terms of, you know, it's, you know, this high flow, it's destroying islands, it's creating erosion. You know, we're, we're seeing the, you know, the mortality of a lot of trees out on the floodplain, too. And, you know, another thing, too, is just the, uh, you know, amount of flow, you know, through our backwaters, too. So, you know, I don't know if people have noticed this, but, you know, going through Goose Island, too, you know, like, and what's, you know, if you're almost to the campground, it's called Wing Lake. And so, you know, what we used to have there is a couple of culverts where, you know, the water would move through there, too. And, you know, they were put in, you know, many years ago, too, with, you know, not a lot of thought into them. You just, you know, move enough water, you don't blow out the road, too. But, you know, with that project, we got another shot at that. We kind of reworked that, you know, where we can, you know, basically put a summer and winter flow rate on there, you know, get better conditions, you know, better oxygen, better water quality. Uh, you know, better uh, fisheries uh, response in there too. So it, you know, should should improve fishing over time too. So it's you know, it's kind of just a simple way to sort of adapt to this you know, kind of warmer, wetter um, world we're going into here. Yeah, you were you were saying before the show, uh, you've got a, a USGS gauge in Winona. I don't, it, you know, maybe you could describe what that is, but like the the, the from 1929 to 1980. And it measures the the water flow, right? Like, what can you describe? Like, what the is it some some little marker in the water that just that just like essentially blows in the wind, but blows in the water essentially? Well, you know, you know, it's basically a, it basically measures level on the river too, and you know, the USGS will go out periodically and you know basically measure you know the amount of flow uh, moving past that point, you know, as a function of how high the river is too. So it's you know. You know, really detailed studies, but you know, like that one's nice because you know it literally goes back to the 20s, so we can really tell you know how things have changed over time too. And you know, and if you really, if you really look at that too, you know, like these last 30 years and you know, and really 10 years in particular too, you can really see that it's you know the river flow has been a lot higher too. And you know, we're well aware of that too. And like you know, a lot of these, you know, a number of these projects we're starting to kind of build you know some of these contingencies into it, kind of knowing. You know, it's not as if we'll never have a drought again, but um, you know, I think this sort of warmer, wetter future is, is probably going to be with us too, and we're trying to adapt to it. And, and what we're doing down at Goose Island is one of those type of projects where we're kind of adapting to changing conditions. Now, can, do you guys study this stuff in terms of like, can you relate this? Okay, this is what's happening to the Mississippi River, and maybe you go talk to some DNR guys uh, at some other river and compare. Is it is it happening? all over all over the nation do you guys do you guys do stuff like that yeah yeah so you know we'll do a lot of meetings you know with the upper the five upper river states so minnesota iowa illinois uh, missouri too yeah it's yeah we'll compare notes too and you know really the data is it's all kind of saying the same thing too you know this wetter period we're in is you know it's pretty widespread you know throughout the upper midwest too i mean if you look at you know, the amount of rainfall we've gotten in these last 30 and you know, specifically the last 10 years, it's, it's increased certainly. Yeah. Is that alarming too? Because, you know, when you talk about climate change and, and how much things, you know, how different the, the, the climate is over time, usually it's, it's a span of, 
you know, maybe less than 10 years, but you're talking like 30 years it was this, and even in the last 10 years, it's really jumped uh, the amount, the, the height of the river, the amount of the river's flowing faster, or, or however you want to describe that. But um, I don't know. How alarming should we be? It, it's eye-opening. I'm concerned about it. I mean, you know, and just kind of, you know, what you see, you know, what you see that it's doing to habitat out there, too, is, you know, like, you know, certain backwater areas that I've looked at, you know, even since 2015, you know, Things are changing out there pretty fast, too, and, you know, these high flows are really a big part of that. So it's, you know, we definitely need to be in tune to this, too, and, like, we got to be, you know, willing to sort of adapt to it as time moves on. Should we start investing in uh, land, like a, a property that's about a block off the river so that, like, you know, in a couple <laughs> of years it'll be it'll be riverfront property or not? <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far, but, yeah, it's, I mean, the flow out there has definitely increased, you know, two ways about it i had a friend uh well this was last summer and you know he was like can we he's a boater right he's out on the river all the time and he's like can we just change the 10 foot slow i think it's 10 feet 10 foot slow no wake level so it's higher because i'm sick of having to go way up river or way down i don't know which whichever way they wanted to go so they could you know open her up open the boat up go skiing and whatnot um, can you just talk about that? <laughs> like, there, there's no change in the slow, no wake level, right? Like to just to, to appease the boaters out there, huh? No, no, you know that levels for you know destroying property and banks. That level's set into, but you know that's one of the ways that people are really noticing it too. You know, we're going above ten feet. You know, especially in the summer months. You know, in these last ten years, you know, more. You know, Ninety three was a pretty high discharge year. You know, when I was kind of growing up on the river too, but there weren't too many like that too. We're like now we've strung together you know, a bunch of these consecutively. And, you know, that's one way people really notice it, too. You know, there's no wake rules are in effect. Yeah, you know, have been in effect a lot more over these last 10 years. Yeah, people want to, people don't understand always what climate change is about. And I'll admit, like, I, I, I can't wrap my head around it, but I'm, you know, not a scientist, although I, I kind of dig into it every once in a while. But all of a sudden they start to, oh, you, I can't uh, water ski anymore right outside where I used to 10 years ago or even, you know, three years ago or something. And, uh, you know, that, that's, that seems to be the only way to, to get through to people that, that things are changing pretty rapidly. Yeah. You know, like these, these wetter conditions, you know, and, you know, more flow in the river is kind of one thing, you know, people really don't kind of associate with it too, but it's, you know, it's, we're definitely seeing some changes out there. Now this year, the river's, is the river normal at this point? Or, you know, like last, what was it last summer? We set a record for like days over the, the slow, no wake 10 foot level, right? The flood stage, I guess yeah. that would be called. Yeah. I mean, there was a period a couple of weeks ago too, where we got, you know, I think we were about right at average too. And now we've bounced up. I mean, if you look at about the 80 year average or so, like, you know, we're, we've bumped up, you know, quite a bit above that already too. So it's, you know, this is the closest we've been in a while too, but, you know, currently we're still, you know, well above average, you know, especially with this last bump up. Okay. And give, getting back to what you guys are, are doing or are you doing it or you have done it already down on Goose Island? And, and is yeah. it just a matter of like preserving Goose Island and preserving that, 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 uh, that area? Or is it a matter of like the natural course of things is going to change this and we're just trying to adapt? Yeah, so it's, you know, you know, in the past, we just had those two culverts down there, too. And, you know, what would happen is, you know, during, you know, some of these high-flow winters, you know, we were just blasting too much water through there, too. So a lot of times, like the, like the fish populations in the winter, they need, you know, it sounds strange to some people, but, you know, the difference between 0.1 degrees Celsius and 1 degree Celsius is it's sort of the difference between life or death for some of these fish, too. So what we've been seeing in these 
these high flow winters too is you know we're just blasting too much cold channel water through some of those backwaters too is and so you know what this project will do there's a new control structure there too so we'll be able to basically control those flows uh through the wing lake complex to you know create water that's warm enough you know but also with, you know with enough dissolved oxygen you know to create good ice fishing conditions down in there too and then conversely we can kind of lower the boards a bit too and then create a summer flow rate where we can get um you know good oxygen you know, under multiple seasons you, you know we've done this other places too you know the, the way we operate you know the pumps at pettybone lagoon you know we we did studies a couple of years ago too where we you know developed summer settings and winter settings too and you know it's really improved you know the water quality and fishing in that area too um long lake up in trump Lowe's where we've done another one yeah and so goose you know, the Wing Lake complex down in Goose is just kind of the latest, you know, in the line of these projects where we kind of use the science to, you know, create better conditions out there. Um, is it something that you're going to have to, like, always adapt to as opposed to, like, like if you like you started to adapt to it and now the, the river conditions change, so, you know, in maybe five or ten years you'd have to adapt to it again as opposed to just letting it, you know, like, or removing all the things that you, you put in there and just, you know, then it would probably just all wash out, I suppose. Yeah, you know, you know the way that structure is set up down there too. You know, once those settings are established, you know, we'll establish a summer and a winter setting too. You know, and those will be pretty locked in. We'll be have pretty good confidence that we're going to be letting you know the right amount of flow in there for oxygen and temperature. So, you know, you know once that initial like study to calibrate the the thing, which is what we're doing, we'll be doing in Goose uh, this summer too. Is you know, once that initial study is done too, then you know then you're pretty locked in too. Yeah, you know, yeah, we'll go back periodically to make sure it's still functioning too. But you, know, you know, once those initial settings are established, it'll be pretty much locked in. You're uh, you're a fisherman yourself, so I feel like you're just manipulating everything so that you get good fishing <laughs> conditions out there. Yeah, yeah, I don't mind having a few extra spots out there. I'll tell you that. <laughs> now, do you have all the secret spots then? Because you're manipulating everything, you know, and then nobody else, uh, maybe a couple other DNR guys know, but nobody else knows the prime. Con- you know, this is going to be the prime condition if I adjust this just just right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, usually, like, yeah, we did the same thing on Patty Bone too. We went out and did presentations talking about that. I mean, it's. I think most people know we we don't we don't really hide it per se. <laughs> I mean, there, there's a few secret spots I'll always keep under my hat. Though. <laughs> sure. All right, uh, Sean Giblin, the river quality specialist of the Mississippi, uh, Mississippi River Water Quality Specialist at the Wisconsin DNR. Hey, thanks for joining me, man. Hey, you bet. Yeah, thanks a lot, Rick. All right. We're going to take another quick break. We're going to come back and wrap up after this right here on Wisdom. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. Just a couple minutes left in the show. I was texting... Uh, Nathan had texted in. He wanted to apologize that he got me in trouble with Eric from Sparta, who's been waiting patiently on the phone. Eric, Nathan has apologized for bringing up the fact that you may have written those letters claiming to be the Republican Party of La Crosse County. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> so just wanted to let you know, Did you have what did you need? Uh, you're, you're calling in here for a while. Yeah, so this fellow you had on there from the DNR stuff, and he's talking about the whole... Uh, River and stuff. I, as far as I know, the Mayfly population in La Crosse makes makes it look like the, the river is perfectly good condition. But you want to put your political purpose in this to to make it like global warming instead of uh, talking the truth about it. 
Another guy is paid by the DNR to do this stuff, so he has to do it. But you ought to push your political opinion towards it for global warming. Sir, you're a phony. Thanks. Okay, dropping the mic. He just drops the mic. He can't. I can't even ask him, and I can't even get an update. Like, you know, ask him a question. Okay, why? How was this political? I I don't know. So, but it was nice enough. Uh, Sean was nice enough to to come on and and talk talk about the river, the blue green algae blooms that uh, we're seeing more and more. We're seeing the river rise more and more. Just kind of wonder why that happens. It's just kind of out there. Um, I did put a story up from that Republican Party. Uh, you know, Bill Fian came on yesterday. The the fake letter from the Lacrosse County Republican Party or the executive committee. It's it's on our wisdomnews.com face uh, uh, webpage, but on the Facebook page, there's there's quite a few comments, and and one of them was from from Brent that says, "Why not start the article with?" Fake letters sent out, you know, because I don't mention it in the story for a while because I, I just kind of making light of uh, some of the things in the letter. But the headline, Brent, says, completely with mega hat coupon, recruitment letter sent to lacrosse area students was not from county's Republican Party. So, uh, yeah, it's right there. That's <laughs> It's the headline, man. Most people only read the headlines. Brent apparently read the story without reading the headline. So I don't know, uh, but it's Facebook, and part of what Bill Fian talked about with this fake letter yesterday was the fact that uh, there's a lot of trolls out there, and uh, this this was kind of in that light. He also uh, related to the Unabomber's manifesto, which I thought was a little bit a little bit crazy, but I I'm not uh, all up to speed on the manifesto that the Unabomber uh, had, so. I am getting a text here that says the Boston Marathon is canceled. So uh, probably no surprise there the way everything is being canceled. Uh, Trempeleau County Fair canceled. And what was the other one? Wisconsin State Fair canceled. Minnesota State Fair, they announced that they were canceling uh, last week, I believe. Maybe it was early. The days all run together. Maybe it was early this week or late last week. So all these state fairs. And then I started the show saying, hey, this uh, Hodag concert in Rhinelander is still going on. It's going to be the only festival going on this summer. And then Brad sprints into the into the studio, and he's kind of looking at me. I'm like, what do you need, Brad? And he's like, nope, that's canceled too. So the Hodag Country Festival that's in July, July 9th through 12th in Rhinelander, is not being, is not happening anymore either. So you could check out all those stories on wisdomnews.com. Um, you know, there's there's other things. The 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 <laughs> I will admit that I read the there was a lacrosse police officer who helped a struggling swimmer last night under the Cass Street Bridge. And I will admit that I I misread what the police report said and the way they had it, they missed a word there, and the way they had it written, it sounded like uh the officer Colin Sheridan jump down from the bridge and then when uh caitlin in the newsroom pointed out she's like i i don't think i don't think that's exactly what he did and then i they kind of read it a little bit and i'm like oh yeah they just forgot to write that they he didn't jump from the bridge or he didn't he he threw down the uh the floating device down to the swimmer and then the fire department then was allowed to come pick him up or not allowed but they were able to pick him up as he was safely floating next to the columns under the cast street bridge so 
Uh, a little embarrassed there for a minute because I just I, I read the the story and didn't you know it was like wow that's that's really what happened and then somebody like no that isn't actually what happened so all right that's all the time I have for today let's see tomorrow's Friday oh food drive Fridays that's tomorrow last one guys okay so um, eleven to one eleven a.m. to one p.m. go to Macy's at the mall big lots on the south side or downtown here at the uh, law enforcement center and go donate. So anything food donations or go to the lacrosse uh, hunger task force, the hunger task force of lacrosse and, you know, get a, 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 mo- a money donation, give them a money donation. Firefighters credit union will match that. And we could try to like take this out huge. That would be great if we could do that tomorrow. The last one, a seven week run and the Hunger Task Force is now becoming a food distributor. So we'll probably talk to Shelly Fortner tomorrow about that. I know she's going to start distributing food from the, uh, the, the federal where they, they, they paid $3 billion uh, to, to buy produce and meat and milk from farmers. And so the Hunger Task Force has actually taken on some of that work. So that's another thing that they're going to be doing. And we'll probably try to get her while she's try- in the middle of doing that. So. All right. Well, that's it. We'll be back tomorrow, guys. Thanks a lot for listening.